Hello and welcome to the From My Perspective podcast. I'm your host, Marcus, and we've got a lot to get into. NBA free agency has started. I, for one, was going to make this a NBA-only kind of podcast, way to bring it back, you know. But we have to show some love to the World Cup. It is in the knockout stages. I was just finished watching, well, not finished watching, but they're at halftime, 0-0, Mexico and Brazil. And if we're just going to look at all the scores from the round of 16, we had a lot of Cinderella's this year. I mean, Uruguay beat Portugal 2-1, not really a surprise. France beat Argentina 4-3. That's a big surprise. And if we go look at the other bracket, Russia knocked off Spain 4-3 in penalty kicks. Surprising. Russia's run, we, we looked at the group, you know, they kind of had an easy group, per, you know, per se. And then Denmark lost to Croatia 3-2 in penalty kicks. And that would set up a Russia-Croatia quarterfinals on July 7th and Uruguay-France on July 6th. We do have a lot more games. Mexico and Brazil are playing right now, as we just said. Belgium and Japan will play at 2 p.m. Oh, this is Eastern Standard Time, so 2 p.m. Sweden and Switzerland will play at 10 a.m. on July 3rd, so tomorrow. And Colombia and England will play at 2 p.m. tomorrow. And then we'll have our quarterfinals set. So now let's get into the NBA. <laughs> I just wanted to give a shout out to the World Cup. I'm not the world's biggest soccer fan, but I do I do love the World Cup. It brings the world together and it's 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 something fun to watch. It's like playoff baseball I watch. But let's go let's get to the NBA. And before we get into free agency, I just wanna I, just, I have the question. I always pose the question, is the NBA experimenting too much? And when I look at Adam Silver, I feel like he's a no idea is a bad idea kind of guy because a lot of the ideas the NBA is pushing, they don't make a whole lot of sense. They want to get rid of the one and done rule, yet raise the minimum age to 20. How is that How is that possible? I either now have to go overseas or stay in the NCAA, the whole thing we're trying to get out of. People say the NCAA is a, is a exploitative, excuse me, exploitative. It's exploiting the players. If that's what you think, Adam Silver, I think he's one of those people that believe that. That's why he's trying to get rid of it. How would you raise the minimum age? It's going to force people to stay in the NCAA. And I don't know if they're going to raise the minimum age for the D-League. That could be forcing players to go through the NBA G-League. Excuse me, I said D-League. It's going to force people to go through the NBA G-League, which could be good. And if they're going to do that, I like that idea. I like the idea of having players start in the farm system first. But at the same time, you can't raise the minimum age and get rid of the one and done in the same breath. Now let's get over to the NBA Awards show. I watched it for the first time. I think it's only been like two or three years they've been doing it, but I didn't I didn't like it. It was painful. I mean it was forced jokes, it was awkward, it it, it. but the real the real issue is timing here. Because if you're gonna have an award show, you can't have it after the playoffs, but say the playoffs don't count in the voting process. Do it right as the season ends. And I use the word awkward because Dwayne Casey won coach of the year after he was fired for the playoffs. And as a sidebar, Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens won that award. If you even if you look at and I'm gonna go, yes, yep, I didn't plan on it, but I'm going into my tangent. When you look at what the Boston Celtics had to deal with throughout the season, it wasn't just, you know, one injury. He lost Gordon Hayward less than five minutes into the season. You lost Kyrie Irving after the All-Star break. Marcus Smart missed four games in the first playoff series. Al Horford missed substantial time. And the Celtics still got to the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7, 
versus the best player in the world, led by a rookie in Jason Tatum. Who Jason Tatum can ball. <laughs> Let's give Danny Ainge credit too, because Danny Ainge should have won Executive of the Year to put that team on the floor, put that coach in the play. I know it's only based on this season, but when you look at the level of play that they they had, I can understand Daryl Morey getting uh, Executive of the Year, kinda. But I don't. I can't fathom the world where Dwayne Casey legitimately won Coach of the Year over Brad Stevens. And I kind of figured it was going to happen once the peers didn't didn't give Brad Stevens that one vote. I kind of saw where the direction it was heading in. But anyway, I I didn't go as far into the tangent as I was about to. So cut you guys some slack. <laughs> also, James Harden didn't play like an MVP versus the Warriors. And all I could say is, here's how I would do it. I would keep the awards show, but do it in a different way. I would do it like the lottery. It's a 30-minute show. I think the lottery is like an hour, if I'm, I don't remember. But I would do a 30-minute show with prominent figures. Let's keep the TNT team. Let's keep them, okay? And then let's have like one star. Let's say just Kobe Bryant, first play off the top of my head. So you have the TNT, and then you have Kobe Bryant. They they break down each of the top three guys for the award. So the defensive player of the year, they'll spend the you know segment talking about each player, breaking down film, and why they why they deserve to be in the conversation. Then the final 15 minutes will be the announcements with a commercial in between. Defensive player of the year, talk about it, commercial. You know, rookie of the year, talk about it, commercial. Stuff like that. It's a 30-minute show. It's straight to the point. And that's how you do an award show because you want to keep the revenue. You're going to keep the revenue doing it like this. And you want to keep the viewership. I guarantee the viewership will go up doing it like this because the players don't have to worry about traveling there either. Because remember, they have a playoff game in a few days. They have to prepare for that series. So... That's how I would do it. 30 minutes, 15 minutes talking about each award, breaking down the film on why each guy deserves the award. The final 15 minutes, do it, announce it, put a commercial in between each one, still get your ad revenue. Boom. That's how I would do it. And then let's get to the next one. Trying to eliminate conferences. This is the most inexpensive, I mean, this is the most expensive and inefficient idea I've ever heard. Something that's really not that big of a deal. Conferences has always been lopsided. It's a part of the NBA. It's a part of sports. Every conference, the NFC is way better than the AFC. Should we just get rid of that too? When you look across baseball, some divisions are like, huh? They wouldn't last in ours. It's like, oh, okay, we understand that. You look at college football. Conferences are lopsided, even though they're you know a lot different than you know professional conferences. This it's everything is lopsided. It's not going to be a, a utopia where you know this conference has eight elite teams. This one has eight elite teams. That's not the era we play in anymore. People are going to form super teams. So yes, some teams are going to be more lopsided than others. I mean, some conferences are going to be more lopsided than others. But let's look at the West, and this is what I've been saying for 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 about a year now. The West still only has two legitimate contenders, just like the East. If you look at the Lakers, adding LeBron, re-signing KCP, I think they plan on re-signing Brooke Lopez. They signed JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson. They'll be adding some other guys. That's not beating Golden State. That's not a contender. Now, in, in two to three years, maybe, but that's not a contender. The fact that Vegas has them second at the second best odds, I think they're tied with Boston to win the finals. No, I think they're tied with Houston or Boston. That's ridiculous. Adding LeBron is a big, that's a pendulum swing, all right. I think the Lakers are the third best team in the West. But that's not a championship contender, what they have right now. He kind of took Cleveland, made it younger, and moved it from Ohio to California. It's kind of what he did right now. Now, I think Magic Johnson is going to build a team around him. But right now, <laughs> second second best odds 
to win the finals? You got to be kidding me. But let's look at the East. Boston and Toronto. Those are two contenders. Now, I don't think Toronto can actually beat Boston in a seven-game series. But there's nonetheless, I see a world where Toronto can get to the finals. And then you can add Philly in a few years. So just like L.A., each, and I say in about two to three years, if not one to three years, Philly and L.A. will be legitimate contenders. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and they're going to Markel Fultz once he's healthy. I think that he has the potential to be a high-level player, which is banged up. And once they start adding pieces around them, Dario Sarge, they're going to be a legitimate contender. Milwaukee, if they can get their act together, can be a legitimate contender. You have Eric Bledsoe. You have Chris Middleton. You have Jabari Parker. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo. If that team actually decided to put in work, they'd be dangerous. Look at the talent on that team. They could be dangerous. They have the rookie of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. Well, last year's rookie of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. There's no reason for the Milwaukee Bucks to be as bad as they are. But that, I mean, that's neither here nor there because I heard a story where pretty much Jason Kidd was fired for wanting them to work hard. And so if that team were to develop a high-level work ethic and, and, and a high-level coach to, to, to put them in position to be successful, give Brad Stevens uh, Milwaukee. I guarantee they would have been in the finals this year. But that's neither here nor there. People over-exaggerate how good the West is because they have the bigger names. Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Carthony Towns, Damian Lillard, Paul, Paul Millsap, Nicole Jokic, uh, let's see, Russell Westbrook, Paul George. And you know what all those guys have in common? They're not contenders. They're just names. And that's why I don't buy into this whole get rid of the conferences overreaction because it's an expensive overreaction. I want to look at every quote-unquote good team in the West, and then we'll move on from this topic. Golden State, best team ever assembled. Definitely a contender. Houston, lost Trevor Reza. Still have a great bench, Chris Paul and James Harden, who's the MVP. The Lakers, they have LeBron, but no number two. Lonzo Ball poses the same problem Ben Simmons poses. Lonzo Ball can't shoot. He can't. I mean, he had stretches where he shot, you know, over 40% from three. That's nice. That doesn't mean you can shoot. It just means you had a good stretch of games. Uh, the Thunder, we saw what they are. They can't beat Utah in a seven-game series. Utah, well-coached and young. I really do like Utah. They're still not a contender. Denver, I I love the players on this team. Nikola Jokic, I'm a big Wilson Chandler fan. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said that, but I do like Wilson Chandler. I do like Paul Millsap. Still not a contender. They don't have the guard play in my opinion, to be a legitimate contender. If, they, if you can get Denver some high-level, or not even a high-level guard, get him a, 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 a get him a get him a Rondo. Get him a Rondo because, you know, he's, he's playoff Rondo. He's not really going to give you much in the regular season. But you give him you give him a Rondo and another high-level guard, that team could be legitimate. And then you look at the Clippers. Eh, Minnesota. If Wiggins played defense, they'd be a different story. But I do like their core. They have potential to be contenders. But remember, they're still very young. Carlton Towns is young. Wiggins is young. Jimmy Butler, he's not young, but he's the veteran they need. They have the pieces in place. They just have to grow up. I'm not saying like maturity-wise. Well, I mean like literally grow up. Uh, and then Portland. You got swept by a six seed missing DeMarcus Cousins. You're not a contender. And so when we look at this, they have two contenders. You get LeBron and established number two. Okay, now you have three. So this is why, I yes, the West has a lot of cool names. I love watching Western Conference teams because there's a lot of big names. But the, that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that there's only two contenders. It doesn't change the fact that there's only two contenders in the other conference. You gotta you can't just look at the broad picture. You gotta put things into context. But let's move on. Paul George shunned the Los Angeles Lakers. I think a little bit too early. And I think it was a more in-the-moment kind of signing because the Oklahoma City Thunder took a page out of the Los Angeles Clippers book, and instead of trapping him in his home, they threw him a party. Hey, Paul, 
call your agent. Sam will be there. Sam Presti, the Thunder GM. So they threw him a party. Everyone that had to attend signed a non-disclosure. So I'm still trying to figure out how uh, how that video of him on the stage got out if he had to sign that non-disclosure. But <laughs> that's someone, someone's going to get in trouble for that. But the people at the party, again, included Sam Presti, the GM, Russell Westbrook, and Aaron Mintz, Paul George's agent. Now, once I saw that, once I started hearing things about this party, I started to put the pieces together, and I thought he'd sign a LeBron contract. That's what I call those—the one, the two-year with the you know player option after one. I call this LeBron contract because he popularized it, and Kevin Durant uses it. And it's not—he's not the first player to do it, but he's he's you know done it. And then you could get more money next year, and then at the same time managing the flexibility of your current situation, you put the press on the management to go get you some help or go get you a team that can win now, or you know you can leave. But no, he signed a four-year, $137 million max deal with a play option for the fourth year. And at the party, he said, I am here to stay. That was a huge surprise. And now, I think, again, I think this is more in-the-moment kind of thing. Because when you look at it, the loss, LeBron didn't make his decision yet. The drift from around the league from executive was, they, the executives knew. The executives knew LeBron was going to L.A. That started to come out a little later. He essentially sent his agent to go waste Philadelphia's time, which I you know, I feel some kind of way about that if I was Philly. He really just sent him here to waste our time. We could have been doing something else. But, yeah, Paul George, if I'm Paul George, I tell Russ, yeah, I tell Presty, this is his agent's job, really. Paul, think about it. Wait a minute. Give it a day. It's midnight. We're partying. The atmosphere, you don't want to be that guy to ruin the party. You don't want to be you know, that guy. We'll tell him thank you. We're going to go home. We're going to think about it. We're going to look at our options. We'll let you know by July 2nd. LeBron makes his decision. Makes it a whole lot easier to say, ah, I do want to go home and play in L.A. Oh, wait, LeBron's there too? Oh, I had no idea. What are the odds? I'm going to go play with LeBron James. It's as simple as that. I think Paul George, and I'm not trying to say he's, you know, but I think it was just more spur of the moment. Good job, Oklahoma City. Paul George is a heck of a player. I think he's the most underrated handles in the league. I'm, I'm just going to be honest about it. I, I love watching Paul George play. I just wish he played on a contender. But my ne- and, and, and that surprise leads me into my next topic. And it's not really a surprise now that I think about it. LeBron signing with the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm indifferent, though. As a Celtics fan, I was just as excited as Lakers fan. The rivalry is back. <laughs> it's back. And, you know, there's a whole new storyline in this one. You know, Kyrie versus LeBron, although I don't think there's any beef there between the two. I think it's just more of a reach without stretching. But I'm kind of concerned because if LeBron doesn't win a title, how will history look at that? Kobe, Shaq, Magic, Kareem, Wilt, all those guys have titles for L.A. Or at least one title with L.A. How will history look at LeBron? I think I think LeBron's the greatest player ever to play, no matter what happens in L.A., but that's, you know, it's debatable. It's not a set-in-stone kind of thing. But I know history is harsh. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, But how will history look at LeBron if he doesn't win in L.A.? Or at least doesn't make them, doesn't even get them to the final. Let's say Golden State is just so powerful, and they just can't put a team together to beat Golden State. How will history look at LeBron as a Laker and as a player? Now, there's a lot there's a lot left in the offseason, and they don't have to he, he didn't sign a LeBron contract. He didn't sign a one plus one. So he I like the fact that he committed to him. Four years, 
154, play option for the third. I'm not going to put the press on you, Magic, and Rob Palenka. I'm going to let you do you. Just give me a team. I just want a team. We don't have to do it this year, but I probably would want it by next year, okay? When Kawhi Leonard's a free agent. Boogie's potentially a free agent again. Kevin Durant's a free agent. Just start putting the pieces in place, and that's what LeBron's doing. This year, he knows he's not going to win because Paul George is off the market. Chris Paul is back in Houston. Kawhi Leonard isn't likely to be traded west despite wanting to be a Laker. Clint Capella is going to be matched by anything anyone offers by Houston. If you're Houston, you're not letting Clint Capella walk. DeAndre Jordan signed with Dallas. Who's left? You got Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. These are all one-year deals. This goes to show you that the Lakers aren't in win-now mode. It's not about next year. It's about the year after. It's about the year after that. It's about the year after that. And that's why I like this. I like the fact that LeBron gave the Lakers the stability to just move at your own pace, but move swiftly, but move at your own pace. Don't feel rushed to give up a bunch of assets because from what I hear, the San Antonio Spurs are asking for a lot. They told Philly they won three players. I think it was three players and two picks, two first rounds or three play. No, three first rounders and two picks. Two players. And so that would be, uh, if you just look at Philly's draft, what they have, they could give them Miami's pick. They can give them two of theirs. Yeah, they can give them Miami's pick and two of theirs. Markel Fultz and Robert Covington. Ah, if that was the difference between LeBron James, I would have did it. But the Sixers were, were, um, were adamant and not giving up Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, or Joel Embiid. But reports have it that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons obviously never were even talked about in the discussions. But I don't know. If I'm Philadelphia and I'm meeting with LeBron's agent, and I say, look, you get me a commitment right now. We don't have to go public. Give me a commitment right now. I have Kawhi Leonard by tonight. But I don't think uh, Rich Paul gave him that gave the Sixers that level of commitment or even show really that level of interest. I really think it was just there to waste their time. But, again, so they didn't do it. I don't think they're going to do it. Boston now has to – Boston can now relax because really the only reason Boston was even interested in Kawhi Leonard was pretty much for Philly and LeBron not to get it together. That was really the only reason. They just didn't want those two in the East having to deal with them. So Danny Ainge – Knowing that he could top any assets or any offer that anyone else can make, knows San Antonio will not accept the offer without talking to him first. They, he knows that for a fact that would not have happened. Let's say Philly offered Markel Fultz, Robert Covington, three first rounds. Okay, thank you. I'll be right back with you. Give me an hour. First person he calls is Danny Ainge. Danny, I'm not going to tell you exactly what they offer. I'm just saying it's a lot. Markel Fultz is in it. We're getting our three first rounds. Danny could easily top that. Would he have done it? I don't know. But he could have topped it. So any any Kawhi Leonard trade would have gone through Boston. At least that's how I would think about it logically if I was the Spurs GM. I would take it to the team with the most assets that I know has some interest in it. But then again, I'm happy LeBron's in L.A. I'm happy the rivalry is back. But... And I'm just going to say, I think this is going to be a Christmas and an opening night game. I think they're going to get them over, out of the way in the same calendar year because they're too high profile. It's either going to be L.A. Boston and opening night, or it's going to be L.A. Golden State, Boston, Philly opening night. 
But I know Christmas is going to be Boston, L.A. They're not going to miss that. I went back when they had Kobe versus the Celtics Big Three. I mean, Kobe Gasol and hey, Kobe Gasol versus Celtics Big Three. That was a Christmas game. So I think I think I think they're going to go ahead and make that a Christmas game. And I wanted to be open tonight because I'm really excited about it. But as of right now, Boston's still dominating. <laughs> I mean, Boston's still going to beat them by 15. But I just want to end the show off talking about DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie. Because I, I, I like DeMarcus Cousins. I think he's the best center in the game when healthy. This is the absolute worst time to be injured. And for it to be an Achilles injury at that. But I think he could be a steal for teams right now. Because he's likely to sign a two- to three-year deal with a player option so he can prove himself to be healthy and then get that high-level max deal. I mean, that high, uh, prove that he can be healthy and play at a high level. Excuse me. And get that max deal that he's earned. And I think the Pelicans and Lakers are both smart for courting him. You know, hey, Boogie, we'll give you that short-term deal. We'll give you, you know, a substantial amount of money. You got to stay healthy. The Pelicans want him to stay alongside Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. And the Lakers want him to join LeBron in what they're building. But there's one team I think needs to risk it all for DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, push all the poker chips to the middle of the table, all in. And that's the Washington Wizards. You have nothing to lose. You notice how LeBron James has left the Eastern Conference and still no one's talking about you. It's Boston. It's Toronto. It's Philly. Washington's not a threat. Or at least it's not how they're perceived around the league. The teams aren't worried about him. The fans aren't worried about him. And Ernie Grunfeld, the Wizards GM, I'm telling you right now, your fan base or the Wizards fans aren't happy with what you've done. And so what I'm about to say is something I've already said in a YouTube video. Go check it out. Perspective Sports is my YouTube channel. But the Wizards need to package Otto Porter, Ian Mahimi, and a 2019 first-round pick top 20 protected if it doesn't convey the no pick will convey for DeMarcus Cousins to eat one more. The Pelicans... The Pelicans get a high-level shooter to put alongside Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. They don't have to worry about DeMarcus Cousins' recovery anymore. And if you're the Wizards, again, you have nothing to lose. Worst-case scenario, you are where you are, in the middle of the East. Knowing that if you face Boston, failure Toronto, you're out. But let's say you get lucky. You get a healthy boogie. Things just got a whole lot more interesting. And I feel comfortable giving up Otto Porter because when you look at the stats, points per game, rebounds per game, and assists per game per 30 minutes against Kelly Oubre in the playoffs, they're not that far apart. Kelly Oubre averaged more points per game per 36, 13.6 points per game to Otto Porter's 11.4. Porter averaged a tenth of a more, tenth of a more rebounds per game, 5.7 to 5.6. And Otto Porter averaged about an assist more, 1.8 to 1.0. But when you're looking at the big picture, we don't need Oubre to do much. If I'm the Wizards, we really don't need Ube to do too much. We have DeMarcus Cousins, Bradley Beal, John Wall. Those are the guys we need to do do all the heavy lifting. We just need uh, Ube to be an efficient player. We just need you to play defense, knock down the shots that we give you, and just don't mess it up. We just need you to play efficient basketball. Because I live in the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Wizards fans are not pleased by how stagnant this franchise has been. So ever since I was born, I remember the Wizards, they were about a four seed ever since I was born. If they made the playoffs of that. This year they were eight. And I understand John Wall got hurt, but the franchise has the 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 is in a rare position to get a high level player. And yes, it's gonna be risky. 
But I say you push all the chips into the middle of the table because no fan that understands basketball will be mad at you if it doesn't work. This has been the From My Perspectives podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PerspectivesPo, S-P-O, and subscribe on YouTube at Perspective Sports. I hope you enjoyed.